More than ever, our world needs what we have in this book, Jesus Christ lived out in us. So let's take with a great sense of urgency what we do together this morning in taking in the Word of God so we can share it with the world around us. Amen. Oh God, we need you. I'm sensing right now more than ever your, my need for your help in proclaiming your word right now as we open us up this book of Proverbs. May we have confidence in you and assurance of your good plan, your sovereignty in this world and universe and all time. You are God and there is none other. And we bow before you. Lord, we're asking for your mercy, your grace, and may you be glorified in the declaration of the gospel and in how we live out the gospel and how we follow you by faith. Certainly, Lord, your word is true. It's always true. And Lord, Jesus Christ is what our life is all about. All the universe is all about you as Lord not about us and as we understand your gospel we respond to your gospel that changes us and God may we see that your love motivates us may we may we love you so much that we we fear not pleasing you we want to love you more may there be a passion for you that that can only be explained by ah what a God we serve So, Lord, as we look to your word now, may your Holy Spirit move in our midst using your scriptures to stir our hearts, not just to hear good things, but, Lord, would you move within us to convince us and to use us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs. You have your Bible open to Proverbs. Uh, Making sense of Proverbs. We'll look at a number of different Proverbs throughout the summer. Obviously, we cannot cover all of this, but we want to just take a a few months, several Sundays, to, to get a grasp of what this book is all about and why it's in the Bible and how we can use it. Proverbs. I have to make this confession. It's, well... Proverbs has seemed to me over the years like just kind of a jumbled mess. It's kind of overwhelming to try to just read straight through it. And how, to, how, how, do we, how do we approach this book? As a teenager, I would read it every month. 31 chapters. Somebody suggested there are 31 days. So read one chapter a day. That's a great idea. And it was very, very helpful. And I learned so much from it. But, but how do we put this all together? Um, uh, many of you have followed that same pattern. What do we do with the book of Proverbs? I believe here in the opening verses we have what I believe is the key to sorting out how to approach this book, and it's within these first seven verses. Let's do a brief overview, shall we? Uh, you'll, you'll see there in your bulletin and also I believe on the screen as well, there's a, there's a chart that's not original with us, obviously. I believe it was the, the Bible Project that put this out. And a number of these are in, in, uh, available on, on the Internet. And w- you can use these right through Right Now Media that we provide as well. Uh, and this is, they, they use artwork to help outline and picture what the scriptures are. And this was a great, great outline of the book of Proverbs. 
by the way, any of these resources, you read with discernment, you use these with discernment, just like you would with any other book of the Bible, and search the scriptures to see whether these things are so. But this particular outline, I think, put in a good picture how the book is organized. So here's a brief overview. You'll see that the first nine chapters are all part of what's called the introduction. It's a long introduction, like some of my sermons have long introductions. But it, it, it really does prepare our hearts for what's coming. Uh, and then, then you'll see over on to the right side of, in the picture there, you'll see this section of Proverbs, just a bunch of Proverbs, chapters 10 through 29, the Proverbs of Solomon, and also chapters 25 through 29, chapter 10 through 24 is Proverbs of Solomon, and chapters 25 through 29 were assembled later by the men of Hezekiah as, as they were looking at the, the Proverbs of Solomon, and probably a number of other providers of these proverbs as well and we know that in chapter 30 the words of agar and chapter 31 the words of lemuel so that's the basic organization of the book and this long introduction chapters 1 through 9 has a preamble you know what a preamble is a preamble is a, sh is a short preliminary statement that explains the introduction. So we have this long introduction, and in order to be able to understand this longer introduction that we'll look at, we want to look at the preamble. It, it's, it's helping us to unpack the rest of Proverbs. It, it tells us where it's going and how we can use this. So that's what we're going to look at today, this preamble, Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. And this preamble can be divided into three sections as well. Verse 1 of Proverbs 1. We see the, the, the name of the book and the author. Uh, verses 2 through 6 will help us comprehend the value or the values that we can find within this book. And then the key to the whole book is verse 7. We'll start on that here, and then in two weeks, we'll come back and look in depth at just verse 7. But verse 5, by the end of the service, I hope that you have that verse in your mind so that it sticks, it stays, you have it memorized. Verse 5 provides the means for understanding the rest of the book. We'll come back to that. Look at verse 1, the Proverbs. Know this, that all of these Proverbs, as is every word from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, they are inspired by God. They're breathed out by God for our benefit, to help us to know Him and know how to live. The Proverbs. But we need to note that Proverbs are not promises. Bring up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from us. That's not a promise, that's a proverb. Now, in English, our Proverbs are a little bit different than they were in the, the, the Hebrew culture. In, in English, a proverb is a short saying that's easy to remember, and you once you hear it, you never forget it. Like, many hands make for, like work. Okay, so that's a Proverbs. Or how about this one? Last but not, yeah, okay, so you get that. That's a short saying that you just, you never forget it. Out of sight is? Or an apple a day. Exactly. So you know about Proverbs. But in a biblical sense, this book of Proverbs goes deeper. 
Proverbs make you think. They make you think beyond what you're currently thinking. So we're going to be drawn into some mental exercise. We're going to think. One thought resembles another bigger thought. So it's going to require some thoughtful pondering or meditation. Thinking. Usually it's, it's a word picture that then represents reality. Keep that in mind. A word picture that represents reality. If you can think of this like a, a, an old man sitting on top of a, of a mountain somewhere. Maybe he's in his 90s and everybody respects him. That's something our culture is missing. Is respecting the elderly and understanding the value of their experience. My, my brother in Christ, my, my son in the faith, so to speak, Shadrach in Africa in Uganda, that's one of the things that he saw that was so different about our culture here. Here, there's no respect for the elderly. There, it really is. But imagine listening to somebody who's been through generations and they have a view of life and they see so much and how are they trying to express to us what they have learned. That's like these Proverbs for the Hebrew people. This word in that language means, Proverbs means to be like. So there's a comparison or contrast, uh, but it's, it's using words to comprehend reality. It's a communication that expresses uh, thinking. It's processing reality, comprehending God's reality in our human comprehension. Is that possible? Yes. God helps us think. And these Proverbs are of Solomon. So verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon. You know about King Solomon. When he became king, he prayed, said, God, I don't know how to do this. Would you please help me? I need your wisdom. And God said, because you prayed for wisdom and not for a bunch of stash, a bunch of money, or all kinds of things, but you wanted wisdom, that's what you'll have. And God blessed him. And so we have the book of Proverbs because of that. But, you know, I was recently reading through 1 Kings, just in part of my regular routine reading, and I was there this week, and I couldn't help catching the irony. Because as you read through, and you read the story of how this all starts, and, and Solomon is so wise, yet he starts connecting with the wrong people, the wrong friends. <laughs> he marries the wrong women, a bunch of them. <laughs> how did he do that? How did he keep the peace? <laughs> and uh, really did not end up well. In fact, God told him, if you keep my wisdom, I'm going to bless you. But if you forsake it, you don't want to know the picture. It's bad. And he chose that bad picture. And at the end of his, of his life, he didn't end up following the wisdom that God gave him. He did not listen to these words that he had written. And I think that speaks to us. Especially if we are in our 60s and up, or 50s and up. We better finish strong with God's wisdom and not get sidetracked with this culture that's going to ignore God. Stay true to the truth. So Solomon reigned as king from 971 B.C. to 931 B.C. And early on he followed these words. Later he left them. Don't follow that. Now, note the value of Proverbs, this book. 
What are the values we can find here? That's what this preamble will begin to roll out for us. And we're going to identify two values from God. And they're introduced to us in verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. So knowing something, wisdom, that comes with discipline. And to understand. I'm going to give you two words to hang on to as we go through this. Proficiency and perceptive. Proficiency and perceptive. The first value we see here in verse 2 is we learn of this proficiency in life, living life well, to know wisdom and instruction. There's a skill that comes through this discipline. The second value, again, is in verse 2, to, un- to understand. We'll learn perception. We'll be able to see things. Aren't you glad we have glasses, those of us that need glasses? Things are so fuzzy and you can't really understand. But when you put on the glasses, you can see. We have the glasses of the Bible. And by the way, let me just encourage you to look at everything in our culture through the lens of the Bible. You see things so much more clearly. You'll have perception about life. To understand, you'll have straight thinking. Some of the synonyms, synonyms, synonyms. Insight, discretion, discernment, thinking like God thinks. Now, verses 3 and 4 expand on this first line in chapter 1, verse 2, to know wisdom. Expands on this proficiency value. And verse 6 readdresses this perception or this perspective value. However, verse 5 is a little bit of a parenthesis. Hearing and obtaining guidance. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and let the one who understands obtain guidance. Again, Proverbs 1, verse 5. We're we're going to want to key in on that verse. So as we look at this preamble to Proverbs, the preamble to the introduction to all these Proverbs that start in chapter 10, We're going to address three comprehensions, three areas of comprehension regarding Proverbs that I I believe will then open up the rest of the book to us in many new ways that then will continue to feed us wisdom and understanding. So number one, comprehend the values identified here in Proverbs. We've just addressed them. Let's go back and look at these values. Verse 2 of verse 1, value proficiency. Proficiency describes wisdom. That word wisdom. What do you think of when you think of that word wisdom? Does it mean somebody that's really smart? They have a bunch of degrees in their, behind their name. They've been to college. They've been to grad school. They've been to, they have a PhD and they, they have the degree. They're smart. That seems to be a big thing in our culture. It really is in America. If you have the degree, that makes you smarter than everyone else. And so they, you, they, there's this, this condescension toward those that don't have the same degree. Now, there's nothing wrong with having good degree, and we need to have people that study, right? But that's not wisdom. That's not the same thing. There can be. In the Hebrew culture, wisdom meant skill or skillful living. It's more than brains. It's more than morals. 
it's a skill. It's, and it's, it's an ability that means that you know how to do what you know how to do. My mom had a proficiency in piano pedagogy. She was a great teacher of piano. And she was able to see so many of her students go on to professional levels and teaching in colleges. She was the greatest piano teacher ever, and she was so good with everybody she ever taught, except me. <laughs> it didn't work with me, all right? Just somehow we missed that, that one. But she had that proficiency. She had a skill to be able to teach piano so others could use it, competency. This same word that we have here, to know wisdom, is used also back in Exodus chapter 35. Can you go back to Exodus chapter 35 and you'll see the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. God's giving them directions about how to live. And he's, he's showing, showing a number of ways that they are to operate. And they've given, he's given the instructions about this tabernacle. And then the construction of the tabernacle beginning in verse 30. And in verse 31 we read of this man that was tasked with the job of constructing this tabernacle. His name is Bezalel. And God filled him with the Spirit of God with skill. That's the same word that we have here in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2, that's wisdom. With intelligence, with knowledge, and with craftsmanship. I, I love those that have skills to be able to put something together. I, I love, I wish I could get into word, woodworking and so many times I not just not just because of my last name I just I just love I love being able to see something that is built well and fits together and how do they do that I love watching little video clips on YouTube about how they just take these pieces of wood and they do these things and do these things and they cut it this way and they, they shave off that and they, and they run it through the machine and, and then pretty soon you've got this beautiful table that's laid out. And just, how do they do? That's a craftsmanship. That's what this is talking about, this word wisdom, skill. You're living your life with skill, skillful character. And I want you to note, not only does proficiency describe wisdom, proficiency requires discipline. I think that's what's being emphasized here, to know wisdom and instruction. There's the idea of this instruction is really at the core discipline. We're not born wise. We're born foolish. It's just the way it is. And wisdom does not come easily. It takes discipline of thought and discipline of, of routine and habits along the way. Discipline. Stephon Curry changed the game of basketball in college. I remember when he played for Davidson, and everybody's just in awe. This, this little scrawny kid was just putting up threes from all over the place, from the logo, from, from, the, from way out. And just one after another. But that didn't happen just because he threw it up and the ball decided to go in. He spent thousands of hours shooting thousands of those long-range shots until it wasn't just a rare thing. It was always going in. And he could do it under pressure. And now before every single game, he'll come out to the stadium. And it's, just, it's, it's, like, it's, it's a whole other level of entertainment for the crowd. They want to be there early just to watch him practice. That discipline of putting up 100 shots before every game and making sure they all go in. Just one after another. Discipline. There's so many ways about the Christian life that it requires 
consistently coming back and doing the next right thing again, even when no one else is watching. It takes discipline to understand skillful living. Now, this is hard for us because we, we, we get lazy. We don't want to do this, or we think we're doing okay. I'm doing just fine. I'm good enough. But Solomon's point here is we need to be honest enough to say, I need discipline in order to be able to live my life skillfully to the glory of God. To know wisdom and instruction. Now, verse 3 shows us how we're going to start this. How do we start? It, and this is written from the learner's point of view. To receive instruction and wise dealing in righteousness and justice and equity. So there's a receiving. Now the question is, how are we going to do this? Receive with meekness the implanted word. Receiving. The question is, how, how is that going to happen? And notice what is received, righteousness. There's going to be somebody defining what is right. There's going to be justice. We're going to understand that there's somebody that has the authority to perform what is right. And there's going to be equity. Aren't you looking forward to a day when our Lord and God and King Jesus that we've just sung about will be on the throne and He will reign in righteousness and justice and equity? That's what gives me hope. I don't see how people live without that hope of a God who is going to make things right and this world isn't going to be ruled by what's wrong. He's going to set it right. Amen? Wisdom sees ahead to that and receives that. So how will we receive it? Hang on to that. Verse 4 is a little bit of a shift. It's what we're looking for here in that the student is no longer the focus. It's the teacher's point of view. So there's a shift. The teacher is then describing something of great value. Look at the benefits here in verse 4. To give, so the teacher is going to be able to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Prudence, shrewdness. Able to be smart how you handle things. Cunning. You have strategy. You have tactics that work for life. For rearing your children for solving problems, for handling your money, for having a testimony, for conducting your business. Ah, so that's starting to open up what's in Proverbs, isn't it? This prudence. Knowledge, comprehending, able to be able to connect the, the, the difference between a deed and then the consequence. So you do something, what do you expect to happen? All right, this is the knowledge here. And discretion. You're not fooled. You're not, you're not bamboozled. You're not outfoxed. You have discretion. You can see the problem coming. So, the first value is skillful living or proficiency. The second value is how we see things. Perception. Value perception in life. Or to see life clearly. Better than that, to see life the way God sees it. Our viewpoint is pretty limited, right? God's above all. He, he's got the best picture of it all. And being able to see things from God's perspective, that's a valuable thing.
So we see words of insight in verse 2. To understand words of insight. And down in verse 6. To understand a proverb and the sayings, the words of the wise and the riddles. To have good perspective. To be able to see perception. Being able to grasp the not so obvious so clearly that it becomes obvious. Now, the immature don't necessarily see what's right in front of them that they should see. But they need to grow up. They need to be able to see more to be able to handle life. So that's why a a mom with a toddler crossing the road out front here will say to that toddler when they're coming up to the side of the road, take my hand and hold my hand. We're going to go across together. And the child says, well, I don't want to. No, you will hold my hand. Why? Because the mom sees something that the child does not. Correct? Everyone understands that. Well, what we need to see is what God sees and get to the place where we comprehend that. And God is inviting us to this kind of understanding, to be able to be perceptive, seeing through to His reality in this world and universe. Seeing things like God sees it. And really, that's the whole point of the gospel. That we would move from our view of ourselves to God's view. Correct? This is profound. This is what Jesus came to show us, that that our ways weren't working. Our righteousness was as filthy rags. It falls short. It's foolish. And we tend to think that we know so much and other people are foolish. We're so smart. But the wise learn to see what God sees as wise and set aside their own thoughts. Are you willing to do that? Would you keep your place here in Proverbs and go back to 1 Corinthians? We'll start in chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll look at verse 18. So that moment when you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 rather than 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the word of the cross, this, this, we need this God in Christ, this Messiah who was promised to go to the cross to, and this, this, this horrible death and what that all represents. We have to have this, this salvation that's accomplished through what Jesus Christ did. So the word of the cross is foolishness. It's folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we're able to see our need of a Savior. We're able to see uh, our, the reality of God and our accountability to God. And that we know we're going to have to face God. And should that be a fearful thing? Or is that a thing that draws you into His beauty? We're going to get there. Uh, look over at chapter 3, verse 18. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, verse 18. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. There's plenty of that going on. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. So we have to set aside our thinking to comprehend God's thinking. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are 
futile, so let no one boast in men. But here's what I want you to catch. Right before verse 18, there's a very important point. If anyone destroys God's temple, verse 17, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And what's the last phrase? You are that temple. So there's a, an awareness. What's at the temple of God in the Old Testament? What did God promise to, to have there in the temple, in the Holy of Holies? His presence. Wisdom is aware of God's presence. That I want us to begin to comprehend in a whole new way as we study these verses together. God is there. Smart people comprehend God is here. So that leads us to the second comprehension. The presence of God. Verse 7. Proverbs 1 verse 7. You see it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the launching pad. It's where things take off so that you can see what's below. What is the fear of the Lord? We're going to expand on that, Lord willing, not next Sunday because that's the children's music presentation, but the next Sunday after that on Father's Day, I think is very appropriate, comprehending the fear of God. But just a brief introduction to this. In Old Testament poetry, which we have in Proverbs, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, Song of Solomon, the, the section of poetry in the Old Testament, Old Testament poetry often is made up of two lines, an A line followed by a B line. B explains A. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. When you see that word fool, maybe even put in the margin next to that the word stubborn. They don't want wisdom. So the fear of the Lord is, is, a, is a wanting of something that, that God has for us. It's the beginning of this knowledge. And, and so the key word here is to despise. Those, those that are stubborn, they're arrogant, they're too good for it. Sort of like a teenager with his parents. Mom and dad don't know nothing. And hopefully they outgrow that eventually. But have you noted that there's some people that never outgrow that? God doesn't know anything. I know something. How foolish. The foolish despise wisdom and instruction. There's an arrogance. It's a me first mentality. They're, my view is what really counts. And we've been trained to that in our culture. So I think understanding the opposite can help us to comprehend what this verse is trying to emphasize to us. Um, Descartes. French philosopher famously said, I think, therefore, what? I am. And he was known for, in a very prideful way, doubting everything. 
That, that, that kind of gave him some pizzazz with people. He could doubt everything. This podium is black. No, it's not. How do you know? Are you sure? Come on. There are so many other factors that you're not really considering. And, and he, would, he would address all his thinking with doubt. And he came to this conclusion. Since I am doubting, I must be reality. Because I can doubt, that means that I am here. Reality became self. I'm doubting, so I must be real. And that was the basis for decades, centuries of modernism, which then in our lifetime came crumbling down because reality wasn't working that way. And postmodernism set in with no reality and all the confusion that's come about from that. And that all revolved around this stubbornness to the reality of God. Thinking that I am. No, God is. He is the I am that I am. He is Jehovah. He's the reality. So wisdom gets to the place where we comprehend God's reality, not ours. So the Bible reverses Descartes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, not the confidence of man. And so we receive this fear of the Lord through an awareness, that's a key word there, of the presence of God. A wonderful awareness. A beautiful thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord, David said, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the temple of the Lord and behold His beauty and to inquire in His temple. I want that. David said this. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I don't want what this world has. I want Him and the power of His cross. I want Jesus. That's wisdom. The fear of the Lord isn't something to dread. It's a beautiful, humbling thing that brings us into the presence of God, His reality. In Job's trial, Job 28, verse 28, God said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. As you keep on reading through the book of Job, he comes into the reality of God's here. And that wisdom made sense to him when you read the last three chapters of Job. God said to Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 12, For now I know that you fear God. There on that mount, when he came to the place where God said, Put your son on that altar. And then God provided himself a substitute. He was able to say, Jehovah Jireh. Our God is here and he's providing what I don't have. And that's who Jesus is, our provision of salvation. And God was very real to him. 
that reality of the presence of God. I want every visitor who walks in through these doors, because of the people here, not because of the building, but because of the reality of the presence of God within us, when they walk in this place, they think, God's here. Because God is real to us. That is the fear of the Lord. So then comprehend our role. So we have the comprehension of, of the value of this book of Proverbs. We have the comprehension of God's presence, which, which is what it requires for us to understand the Proverbs. But then what is our role in this? Our role is in verse 5. What are we to do? Our role is to hear and obtain guidance. Look at verse 5. Would you see that verse? Verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. This is the means for understanding the book of Proverbs. Hearing and obtaining guidance. Can we take just a minute to try to memorize this? I've already quoted it to you, what, three, four times? If you hear it ten times, you're probably pretty close to having it memorized. Would you take some time today to memorize Proverbs 1, verse 5? What's the reference? Can you do your hand with that way? Have some visual motion. Proverbs what? 1, 5, all right? So what are we memorizing? Proverbs 1, 5. What's the first word? Proverbs You're a good start. Proverbs 1, 5, let. Let who? The wise. So you've already got a good start. Proverbs 1, 5, let the wise. What are they going to do? Proverbs. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. The wise are proficient. The understanding are perceptive. Those that are wise are going to be hearing. Those that are perceptive are going to be open to guidance. The wise hear. When I was a teenager... My dad had a good friend by the name of Charles Wood who was a director at Shepherd's Home in Wisconsin. Uh, It's a home for uh, people with life challenges. He had two boys that would travel with him who had Down syndrome, Butch and Steve. Did anybody ever hear Butch and Steve? So you know who I'm talking about. Well, he would come to our house. They would stay. Those three would stay with us, and they would speak at different churches along the way. And I remember these boys getting up in front of the service, thousands of people in the crowd, and Dr. Wood would ask a reference, and the boys, one of the boys would quote the verse, and the next one would vote another verse. They had 500 verses just like that. They were ready to go. And somebody said, so how, how, do, you, how do you learn these? And Butch would speak up and say, you just got to listen. 
there's a humility that comes with listening. We're too proud to listen to what God has to say. And then those that are understanding will obtain guidance. Guidance means there's somebody you're going to follow. Somebody's, a guide is out in front and you follow the guide, correct? Jesus said what? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'll show you how to live your life. The wise will increase in learning. They're going to keep on learning. Even seasoned old people can keep on learning. Increase in learning. In fact, we should never stop learning. Learning of God's wisdom, of how God sees things and how God views things, and learning how to apply that. I'm at the place now where my best learning, get this, my best learning comes from learning from my children. That's an important place to get to. When they are applying wisdom, I can learn from them about how to live life as well. And then there's a guidance that comes. My mom and dad's life verse was Psalm 48, verse 14. He will be our guide even unto death. So are we willing to hear? Are we willing to be led? That's the key to the book of Proverbs. That's what will open it up. So ask yourself this question. Are you hearing? Chapters 1 through 9. Are you willing to hear a father's instruction? Chapters 2 through 4. Are you willing to hear the warnings we need to heed? Chapters 5 through 7. Are you willing to hear the blessings of God's ways of wisdom? Verses chapters 8 and 9. Are you hearing? You see this term come up again and again. Chapter 2, verse 2. Are you inclining your heart to understanding? Are you attentive? Is your ear attentive to wisdom? In chapter 4, verse 1, hear, O sons, fathers, your father's instruction. It goes right on down the list. Chapter 5, verse 1, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. Learning to hear. Chapter 5, verse 7, and now, O sons, listen, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. If we're going to get God's wisdom, we're going to need to listen. We're going to need to hear. Are you obtaining guidance? Are you open to God's leading? Are you willing to follow what God says for you to do? And that's Proverbs chapter 10 through the last chapter of chapter 31. You're going to see things that are bigger than you are. So let me encourage you to slowly read the Proverbs, repeatedly read the Proverbs, mull the Proverbs. Read chapters 1 through 9 as a unit, and then each proverb after that, maybe two verses, maybe one verse, maybe three or four verses that tie together, but each proverb you read carefully and you ponder. And you think, what is God saying and what does God want me to do? And God will lead you and guide you in that wisdom. Lord, may we follow you by faith, doing the next right thing because you speak to us through your word. Help us to hear and help us to follow. I pray, God, if there is a moving of your spirit about changing some ways in lives, that right now we would hear and we would follow you. We would repent, turn from our own way and turn to your truth 
trusting in you with all of our heart and leaning not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledging you as the leader, as our director, as our sovereign, and you will direct our paths. Guide us in your truth, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.